Previously on Little Bit Leave It. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island, UK in the USA. My name is Ben, and with me, as always, it is my podcasting partner and partner in life, Becca. Greetings and salutations, pigs and spiders. I feel like I've said that before, but oh well. You definitely have. I remember that one, but you are permitted to repeat yourself as I do it every single episode. I had a pickle and pickle chips for my snack, so, you know, you can tell something's off. Something is off. And something is off a little bit in this episode of Love Island because all of a sudden, there's a bunch of babies in the villa. That's right. It's the baby episode. Everybody's least favorite. I like seeing how the guys step up, but on the whole, it's pretty much a nightmare. And hey, before we get into it, if you really love the podcast... You can go to patreon.com slash littlebitleaveit and support us starting at $2 per month. Join the community or not. Just keep listening. We like that too. Yeah. And check out season seven. Yeah. Season seven. We're doing weekly reviews of season seven UK, which is ongoing right now. If you've got Hulu and you're in the States, you have no excuse. Get your friend's Hulu login. Come on. Don't we all do that now? And if you go to my Twitter feed, at LBLI Podcast, you can play Fantasy Love Island. That's right, Fantasy Sports, crossed with Love Island, brought to you by Little Bit Leave It. Download your Google Doc for free and set up your own league or your team and play along at home. Tell us how you do. Today, we are going to talk about Season 6, Episode 32 of Love Island UK. We are going to do a deep dive into the full English breakfast in honor of the Breakfast Club, which I'm not even sure if they're going to have any more meetings, so we wanted to make sure we got that one in. And of course, we're going to talk fashion and rank those couples. So we've got a really exciting episode. I don't know if exciting is the word I'd use, but we have an episode. I do not like the baby episodes generally. Though this one, for me, for whatever reason, seems a little less painful than those in some other seasons. Plus, we've got some people dumped from the island at the end, so that's exciting. That's true. The right people. So we pick up, it's the aftermath of the compatibility votes. Shaunice immediately feels guilty about voting for Mike, and so does Luke T. And Luke T even admits that he thinks he let his friendship for Luke M affect his vote yeah mike and priscilla are not thrilled Uh, they knew luke t wouldn't vote for luke m and they tell justin ched that a confrontation is coming however before that could even happen luke t does the right thing and comes to apologize first yeah and mike really is not upset about the vote itself it seems He's upset that Shanice and Luke T didn't give the real reason that they voted for Mike and Priscilla in that whole voting ceremony. Would you really want to have heard? Sorry, we actually think Luke M and Demi are less compatible, but they're our friends, so fuck you, Mike, and fuck you, Priscilla. Like, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, well, 
I think you can deliver some version of that message without the F-U at the end, and maybe Mike would have actually appreciated that more, though that also speaks to how the Islanders are consciously saying things for TV. Right? I think part of the reason that Luke T and Shanice felt like they needed to lie about the reason is because they're on TV. Oh, 100%. What with the air cleared, you know, a calmer mood starts to take over. There's a really funny conversation between Shawnice and Finn. She remarks that after Paige and Finn's first date, Paige said, absolutely not. No way. No how. And now look at them. And then Shawnice and Finn have a cackle. It can only be described as a cackle. Thinking about how they went on one of the initial dates, and isn't it funny, she couldn't even possibly imagine them together now. Uh, And that was just really cute. It's always nice to see the Islanders interacting with people outside their usual clique. Yeah, I agree. And I do like the scenes of the Islanders reminiscing about their initial villa experiences, whether that happens in late in the seasons or in the reunions. I always love those talks. And they see how much they've grown. Yes, we've all grown so much. Well, I don't know about us, but they have. So speaking of lack of growth. Yeah, Natalia. Now, she is super upset with Molly and Priscilla for even voting for her because, you know, she'd never do that to her Casa girls. That spills over into her bedtime conversation when she says to Jamie that she is ready to go home because she is not going to find a boyfriend here. And what else can Jamie do but say, okay? Yeah, that was kind of nuts. And I have to think the whole compatibility vote has led to Natalia feeling much more comfortable in just dropping the charade, or charade as the British would say, that she is even into Jamie at all. Because she isn't, I don't think. I have to give a shout out to Molly, who, upon hearing Natalia saying earlier in the evening, I'm done, I'm ready to go home, Molly calls her an impatient little sausage. That was a new one. And, you know, it also fits in with the English breakfast theme. So there you go. The next time our son is whining about wanting to do or get something, I'm going to call him an impatient little sausage and see what happens. That's not child abuse, is it? Um, I'm not sure, honestly. So in the morning... We've got a surprise. The Islanders wake up to crying. No, it's not, Jamie. It's a bunch of robot babies. Finn and Callum and the Lukes are in the nursery first. They beat any of the girls and they are excited. So let's talk about the babies. Let's do it. Rocky Luke Jr. Trotman Fudge's first order of business is finding the right outfit to fit in with his styling parents, Shawnice and Luke T., Of course. Paige decides her first maternal act is to stop swearing so much around fucking baby Darcy. Yeah, not sure how that's going to go. When Darcy fusses, Finn suggests offering a bit of breast. Oh, Finn, so cheeky. But they later have a romantic moment during Darcy's nap when they agree that the other is hot, but substantially hotter with a baby in tow, and the word MILF was used, and it was just a nice, quiet, romantic moment that I appreciated. Priscilla talks Mike through calming breaths when baby Charlotte is fussy, because if his energy is off, Charlotte's energy will be off as well. 
These two really impress me. They sit down and talk about Charlotte's future. They have a plan. Mike insists on sending her to private school, which Priscilla agrees with if Mike is going to pay for it. When Charlotte fusses, Mike sings a little lullaby to her. They are so sweet. Mike is going to be a great dad. I'm heartbroken that they split up. Yeah, Mike and Priscilla really need a lot more screen time. I am a huge fan of watching them. Jess admits to not pulling her weight with baby Winter Ocean Uzor. She doesn't even know how to hold the baby. She's like propping it up standing on her lap, which leads Chet to judge her as a shit mom. Yeah, the most interesting thing about them is their baby's name now. So at least there's one notable point of interest in this couple. Now, Molly is a bit of a shit mom, too. She is not happy about this. She doesn't even want a kid until her late 30s. And I lost count of how many times she said that she hated babies. Yeah, she's not here for Elvis at all. Uh, There's one great scene where Molly and Jess watch Callum and Cheb with the babies. And they say they love the mom life with interactive dads. And so, yes, while they're totally taking advantage of, you know, Callum and Ched being interested, it's a good lesson to learn young. You know, make sure that you have a partner who's going to be a true partner. Don't just pop out puppies with some dude. Make sure that he's going to treat you and your family like an interest, like a priority. Yeah, all of you... uh Younger listeners out there, listen to Beck's good advice. Yeah, at least Jess is broody, but she knows she's not ready yet. And the proof is, after Chad and Callum play with the babies for a while, they bring the babies back to the girls, and Chad's like, you know, I gotta go take a pee or, or get a snack or something. So Jess messes around a bit, and then she gives the baby to another islander, telling him, give it back to Chad. I've tried my best. I would not trust this girl with a goldfish. Yeah, Jess... Does not look great in this episode. No, not her finest. At least she admits to it with good humor. That's her only saving grace here. And Ched, once again, proves himself to be a very eligible bachelor. Now, Demi started off a little slow, but kind of changed her tune, huh? Well, it was a bit of a shock. You know, she apologizes to Luke M for not knowing about the baby, but it did happen pretty quickly. And Luke teases her about not being super interested. And she says, you know how hard it is squeezing this little head out of your nunny? Is it nunny or ninny? She said nunny. Yeah, I I don't even know. It's it's English slang, folks. I mean, I would probably not even slang. It's probably like, you know, a baby word. Is it? Like, like front butt or, you know, cha-cha. You know, all of the words people use when they're too embarrassed to teach their kids the right names. Yes, exactly. Front butt makes me laugh. I'm not going to lie. Front butt is a new one to me. The last baby has, I guess it's a Harry Potter name. No, I know it's a Harry Potter name. I'm not that alienated from pop culture. I mean, it's almost 25 years old. Yeah. It's almost old enough to rent a car. So Jamie and Nat name their baby Voldemort. Voldy for short. Jamie and Natalia are in the bedroom talking to another couple and Jamie remarks that the baby has no feelings. And then he turns to the doll and says, just like your mommy. And that's a Harry Potter joke for the rest of you. You knew that. Oh, in terms of Voldemort having no feelings. Yes. Right. But also Natalia having no feelings. Very accurate, too. Correct. Correct. And they're such great parents that neither of them think to put the brakes on the stroller and it flies into the pool. In fairness to these folks, they are probably not all that familiar with stroller mechanics. Or wind. 
Or wind, yeah. Or pools. Physics in general is not a strong point for this group. So let's talk about a very heartwarming scene where the Lukes lift weights while baby wearing, which seems dangerous. Don't do that. Yeah, you shouldn't lift weights with real babies strapped to your chest. That is not a good idea. Or if you have a real baby strapped to your chest, use fake weights. Yeah. So Luke T asks Luke M if he wants a baby. And Luke M says yes, but not for a while because he is not ready at all. And then Luke T says he's a little nervous because he thinks Shawnee wants one like yesterday. Which I don't think is true at all. Well, they don't have any kids yet, as far as I know. As far as we know. The guys are very impressed by how calm baby Louie is when he's with Luke M, because with Demi, he cries all the time, leading them to joke that it's because of her very high-pitched voice, which, to be fair, makes me need to cry sometimes. Luke, what are you doing with the baby? But Luke M concedes to Luke T, you'd be a good dad. To which Luke T responds, I reckon you'd be a shit dad. So the two guys have a good time. They realize that since both of their parents are still together, they were both fortunate enough to grow up in a happy, loving household, which, you know, is only a benefit when it comes to starting a loving household of your own. Meanwhile, Shawnees and Demi are watching this, and Demi reminds Shawnees that the reason you get into a relationship is to hopefully have kids and marriage someday, and this is kind of a preview of her future. And Shawnees which would probably surprise Luke T, says, you know, yeah, she'd like marriage and kids, but what will be will be. And she wouldn't even mind having kids before she gets married. She quite likes the idea of her kids at her wedding. So see, I think Luke T is right. She wants kids like yesterday. But they don't have kids yet. Right. So it didn't happen yet. Right. So I wouldn't worry about it. Right. But, you know, her saying like, oh, I want a bunch of kids at my wedding. You know, that gives away the game a little bit. Well, who says they have to get married right away? They could have two kids and get married in five years. Absolutely. So but if they had two kids and they got married in five years, right? That seems to imply the first child would be born relatively soon, if not already now. No pressure, guys. Really. No pressure. Take your time. You're young. You're beautiful. You got money rolling in. Enjoy it. You're only young and hot for so long. So first we see the Lukes looking kind of responsible with the kids, and then we see them being grossly irresponsible. It's time for the stroller race. Now, they're not the first male islanders to partake in this tradition. In this time dishonored tradition. Yeah, but Luke M, in a sweet little move to ensure his victory, pulls Rocky Trotman Fudge by the foot out of the stroller and guarantees first place for Louie. That's the name? Yeah, Louie. Louie and Luke get first place. That's messed up. Oh, and I just realized Louie is Luke and Demi combined. I am dumb. I'm even dumber because I didn't get that till right now. They're smarter than us for this one second. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, Another cute scene. Shawnee leads baby family yoga. Maybe you're right. Maybe Shawnee's is more ready. She's definitely ready to lead a yoga class, though. I would do stretching with Shawnee's. The day is coming to an end. Everybody has more or less survived, except maybe Rocky, who's definitely got a concussion and a half. And Jamie and Natalia are reflecting on their day. 
So Jamie, to me, he is so funny in this episode. And as we were saying, as this episode concluded, I said, in my revisionist history of Love Island season six, I think Jamie is actually one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated Islander of the season. Yeah, it would have been nice for him to come in earlier and have a crack at things. Yeah, and I'm sorry for calling you the discount store Chris Hughes. Jamie, you are intentionally very funny, and Chris was a little bit more unintentionally very funny. Jamie is just the Nordstrom Jamie. I wonder if Shauna didn't like him because she actually did like him, but she knew she had a boyfriend. That's totally possible. And she knew that Callum wouldn't have gotten any deeper. It would have been fun and superficial and not a real danger. But Jamie was a real person who she actually could have liked. Yeah. And that also explains why she went for Luke M instead of Jamie there. I'm a genius. Except for the whole Louie thing. So Jamie says to her, do you think you want to be a single mom? And Natalia says, what the hell kind of question is that? Because that is a little bit of a weird question. And now I'm paraphrasing. He says, well... I've been feeling like a single dad all day. And in a great moment of understated observation, Mike notices that, gee, Jamie has been alone a lot today. Is that a sign that Natalia is not into parenting? Or is it a sign of bigger things? Like, Mike, have you not been paying attention to anything that's been going on outside of you? Well, probably not, considering Mike is not known for being the most unself-absorbed. Correct. So some other impressions. Shawnee's doesn't want to give the baby back. Callum would swap the baby for vodka all day long. All of the parents out there have had those days. Chet had the best time of his life. And Finn wants a baby in the next few months. Paige is willing to have as many babies as he wants, as long as he pays for a designer vagina. So the results of the baby challenge, the couples that do well, Paige and Finn, Mike and Priscilla, Luke, M and Demi, They all seem to have a good time. They all seem to be enjoying it, sharing the responsibility. So it wasn't a big surprise, but Luke T and Shanice, Jess and Ched, Jamie and Natalia, well, they all failed. And the only surprise there was maybe Luke T and Shanice. And I wonder if Luke M's, you know, grabbing of Rocky and throwing him on the ground, if that is what did it for them. Okay, so Shawnice was confused too. I guess she didn't see it. And Luke T says, oh yeah, maybe it was when Luke M threw Rocky on the ground. If you let your buddy throw your baby on the ground, you are a failure as a parent. I don't care what you do the rest of the time. Oh, and somehow Molly and Callum passed the challenge? Callum did a good job. Yeah, go Callum. But Mike and Priscilla are declared the overall winners. They did seem the most natural. They seem the most in tune with one another and the baby. And then we get to see Mike in a wig. That is awesome. And I'm not sure if those two things are related, but so it goes. No, they're getting ready. They want a party because more than half the couples passed. Uh-oh, party. Right. We all know what a party means. Someone's going to die. Well, no, but they're going to be booted from the villa. So everybody gets dressed. Yeah, the guy's dressing room, a real funny moment. Again, Jamie, and I guess we give Finn a little credit too. So Finn shouts out, all the single fellas in the house say, yeah. And total silence, except for Jamie, who says, yeah. So let's get this party started. Mike and Priscilla, the parents of the villa, give a toast to having a great fucking night without kids. Remember those? Um, barely. 
Actually, we're going to have one in a couple of weeks. So if you count two months as a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, what? A couple of weeks? Well, two months is some weeks. It's many weeks, but yes. And just when the party is getting good, like always, there is a text summoning everybody to the fire pit. Based on the compatibility votes from the previous evening, only two couples are totally safe. And that is, of course, Paige and Finn and Shawnice and Luke T. Now, from the rest of the couples, Demi and Luke M are the first couple safe. By the public. By the public. And then the public saved Jess and Chet. Which is a goddamn travesty. Finally, we learned that the lowest vote getters, and no surprise here, were Jamie and Natalia. And I love the dramatic irony. Dramatic irony? I don't know. I love that Luke M got to read the text. It just seemed fitting and sweet. Yes. Super sweet. Yes. They do not even get a send-off, but they are dumped from the villa, and we're not done. Oh, yeah. They're told, basically, pack and get the fuck out. Yeah. During their exit interview, Jamie jokes about wanting to pick up where we left off, at least until I get blocked. And Natalia says, um, now. Even though they live 20 minutes from each other, they are donezo. Totally. It took far too long to be rid of her. I wish that she had never been brought into the villa. I think this season would have been better if Luke had brought, what was it, the Scottish girl? Scottish Jamie. Scottish Jamie, yeah. I wish she had died. No, I'm just kidding. Jeez, Beck, wow. I wish Jamie had smothered her in her sleep. Oh, man. I wish one of the guys who couldn't cook cooked for her. I'm just kidding. I I really wish her no ill will. I hope she's grown and learned from this experience. I hope life is treating her well and that she's having a better time outside than she did inside. Obviously, it's all kayfabe, folks. And if you don't know what I mean by that, check out our very first special episode where we evaluate Love Island through the lens of professional wrestling. But there's going to be another couple dumped from the island. And the other Islanders have to choose the second couple to go, and they have to choose between Mike and Priscilla and Callum and Molly. They better dump Callum and Molly. Yeah. I really do not like that these are the two couples that they have to pick between. I think these are the two couples that should have been saved by the public, and they should have to pick between Luke M. and Demi and Jess and Ched, because, well... Jess and Chet are boring, and Luke M and Demi are a fake couple. They're a new couple. Yes, a new couple. And I don't mean fake director. I just think that they, I think they're what we call like a dream couple, that they're both kind of deluding themselves a little bit, and the Love Island environment really makes it very easy to kind of feel emotions and feelings for somebody else. No fault on them. At the very lowest, they have an attraction to one another, and that's something. Yeah. And who knows what would have happened had they not exited the villa into quarantine and lived so far apart. I'm not saying it would have lasted. I'm just saying they left planning to try to make it work, but didn't really get the cards dealt to them. So who knows? Sure. Yeah. Like I said, either one of those two, Jess and Chad and Luke M and Demi to go. I don't know if I had to pick one who I would pick. I guess Jess and Chad just because they're boring. Yeah, I would dump Jess and Chad. Plus, I wouldn't want to watch Shawnice and Luke T crying over Luke M and Demi. Yeah, that would be so sad. I don't want to break my uh, Shawnice and Luke T's heart. Let's get a word from our sponsor. Yeah, I think it's time for that. 
Have you subscribed to Miranda, the third fastest growing name-based streaming service in North America? Because if you have, you've got the right to remain entertained by our new exclusive series and specials. Miranda Lambert is back, and this time she's brought Adam Lambert, Christopher Lambert, and a lamb named Bert for an unforgettable recreation of Bob Dylan's famous concert at the Newport Folk Festival in 1965. It's the Miranda Lambert All Lambert Band featuring a lamb, and it's only available on Miranda. It will be Flag Day every day when you join Lin-Manuel Miranda for his special series, Flagging My Friends, where each episode features Mr. Miranda celebrating or talking about a different flag, or sometimes he just walks by carrying a flag, or drives by a flag and it's in the background as we watch him run errands, relax in his living room, or sleep comfortably in his bed, having no idea he's being filmed and it's only available on Miranda. And did you say you want tales of true crime and other inspiring documentaries? Because we've got them. Ham on Rye, the Rufus Rutterman story, has taken the lunch world by storm, and you don't wanna miss the exciting sequel debuting in just a few weeks. A sandwich by any other name. It's only available on Miranda. And that's not all. You've enjoyed endlessly re-watching the first three seasons of the incredible and exciting British reality series, Friend Island. And now, Miranda is extremely pleased to announce that we are the exclusive home for Friend Island USA. That's right, your favorite reality show is coming stateside this September, and it's only available on Miranda. Miranda, where you have the right to remain entertained. Today, we are going to talk about the full English breakfast. So first, what is a full English breakfast? And why should you care? The answer to the first part of your question is that the full English breakfast, also known as a fry-up or just a full English is what every decadent American breakfast combination truly aspires to be. The full English makes the Grand Slam look like a bunt down the first base line. It makes your lumberjack breakfast into one suited for a termite. And, of course, McDonald's Big Breakfast does not look quite so big anymore. The answer to the second part of your question should be apparent at this point. You should care about a full English breakfast because you only have a finite amount of time on this earth, and the greater the proportion of time that you're spending tasting delicious food, the better. So, what's in a full English? Eggs, of course. Fried bread, which is like toast except it is fried in a pan with butter instead of toasted and then buttered. So, it is a lot unhealthier. Both sausage and bacon are found in a full English but not necessarily the sausage and bacon that you, American listener, are used to. There's also tomatoes and baked beans. And if it doesn't have all of those things, it is not a full English. On top of that, you will often see 
sauteed mushrooms, and some kind of potato. And if you're getting a little fancy, you might add kidneys or kippers. What are kippers, you ask? Well, kippers are smoked herring, typically cold and packed in a jar or can. It seems like the most common method for preparing them is poaching or frying them and eating them with the eggs. Kind of like a salmon benedict, I guess. Um, I'll tell you, I've neither had kidneys nor kippers in any full English that I have ever eaten. And, you know, I've never actually tried kippers. Frankly, I'm not even sure if kippers is singular or plural. So I'm not really the person to talk to about English smoked herring. But let's get back to that bacon. No pun intended, because this bacon is not made from pork belly, but from the back of the pig. And it's good. I mean, I mean, any kind of bacon is good, so really, can't go wrong. The sausage, however, is another story. In addition to what we Americans think of as a breakfast sausage, you know, ground up pig parts and spices encased in an intestine, the full English includes two other sausages, black pudding and white pudding. Now, I know it's confusing, but the English use the word pudding for all sorts of stuff including sausages, apparently. So white pudding is basically just a cheaper breakfast sausage. It's fattier and uses oatmeal as filler. Sometimes, actually, it's just all fat and oatmeal. Yum! Black pudding is the same thing, a mix of predominantly fat and oatmeal, except it's got blood in it! Pig's blood! If you've ever had blood sausage before, you know what this tastes like. You know, kind of minerally, right, is how it's usually described. Uh, honestly, I'm actually a fan of black pudding. I, I kind of like the taste. White pudding, though, I could really take or leave. It's bland, gross texture, not, not really a fan. Uh, but hey, what's up with those baked beans? Well, don't ask people on the internet why British people eat baked beans for breakfast, or else you are likely to get a bunch of British people digitally yelling at you about how you are an ignorant American. Thankfully, I am not speaking from direct experience. I just looked on Quora.com and saw mean responses to some poor guy in Texas who asked that question. You know, we as Americans think of baked beans as a dinner food, maybe for lunch. They're predominantly associated with barbecues in my mind. They're also associated with the city of Boston and a talking dog, I guess. So what's going on with baked beans? What is the origin story and why do the English like them so much? Well, Beth Stebner on MyRecipes.com sheds a little light on this. Baked beans were actually invented by Native Americans and appropriated by colonists in Boston, apparently as a way to repurpose leftover pork roast for a meal the next day. They would take the leftover pork, combine it with beans and molasses, and make it into this kind of a stew thing as leftovers. Now, the Boston breakfast is, I guess, what some folks in some marketing departments decided to call this, and the Boston breakfast was a big part of the marketing campaign that introduced 
baked beans into England in the early 20th century. So the English have kind of always known baked beans as a breakfast food and as a breakfast food first, apparently, even if now they have evolved into something that is eaten, you know, any time of day. It's part of your typical bangers and mash meal at a pub. Um, They'll eat them on baked potatoes, which of course they call jacket potatoes. It is a little strange to think about how baked beans are a more integral part of English cuisine than American, uh, even though they started here. And this is, of course, being said by a guy who eats pizza twice a week. So where does this traditional full English breakfast come from? Let's consult Ellen Castello at historic-uk.com. Back in the pre-industrial days, people in England generally ate two big meals, breakfast and dinner. Rich people had to make everything into a ceremony and display of their wealth, of course, and breakfast was no different. While regular people might have eaten some bread and cheese for breakfast, the rich competed to have the most lavish, decadent morning meals served at weddings and other social gatherings. Interestingly, these hours-long affairs also initiated the tradition of reading the newspaper at breakfast. So, thank you, nobility of the 18th century in England, I guess? So fast forward to industrial Britain and the new middle class of managers and professionals. Of course, you know, what the English think of as middle class is not the same uh, as how Americans talk about the middle class. The middle class in England are, you know, they're your petty bourgeoisie. We would probably consider them upper middle class and in some cases even upper class here in the United States. So these folks really... They sought to imitate their social betters, no surprise there, and they popularized the full English breakfast as a daily routine. And they also moved the time of breakfast to before 9 a.m. so they could get to their jobs on time. Because after all, these weren't the people who owned the factories, these were the people who managed the factories. Now, for those working classes who actually worked in those factories and toiled there day in and day out, well, they actually needed that massive morning sustenance to work those 14-hour days in factories. And they started eating these big breakfasts at pubs, and the full English became the way that the majority of Englishmen began their day. And even as late as the 1950s, Almost half of English adults ate a full English breakfast every morning. And that could not have been too healthy. And frankly, kind of maybe has something to do with why the National Health Service was so important over there. I'm kidding. But today, the English breakfast is something that you would eat in a hotel or restaurant for a special decadent occasion. Uh, Not something that most people eat uh, on a daily basis or even a regular basis anymore. Not only is it unhealthy, it takes a long time to cook all that different stuff. And I'll tell you, I could go for one right now. And I do have a funny little aside 
that really I'll save, I think, for spoils of love, the full story. But I do remember ordering a breakfast in an English hotel and ordering something that I thought was a fairly, you know, normal, good-sized breakfast. A couple eggs, some bacon, some potatoes, some toast, some coffee, some juice. And they kept insisting that I eat more and order more from the menu at a place where, by the way, it was all included. So it wasn't like they were trying to upsell me, but it was a fairly fancy place. And how I ended up staying at this really fancy hotel in London as a broke college student, that is a story for another time. That was really cool. And guess what? I'm hungry again, except not for blood sausage. You sure? Yes. Because I've got like a gallon of pig's blood. I thought you were going to say you had a sausage in your pocket. I'm like, who are you, Brad? But anyway, that's season seven. If you're not watching season seven, what's wrong with you? I guess the Americans probably haven't seen that bit yet. Probably not. Sorry, Americans. Brad's got a sausage in his pocket. Actually, no. By the time this posts, I think that episode will have aired. Okay. So what's it time for, Beck? It's time for some T's and some A's. It's the TNA report. The TNA report. I was so caught up in the whole babies. I didn't really notice much fashion until the evening, so I haven't got a ton. Yeah, well, we covered the previous night's compatibility vote fashion last episode, so I think that's appropriate. Yes. So shout out to Paige. I liked her peachy pink dress with the patches of silver sequins. Although I feel like we've seen that dress before. I still like it. And I like Ched in the black and olive plaid shirt. Yeah, I think he might have taken that from my closet. I literally have a shirt very, very similar to that. I think he would have ripped it into shreds. Yes, I think he may be one or two sizes larger than me. I also loved Molly's yellow print dress. Oh, I wasn't a fan. I like bright colors. Yeah, me too, but I just... Didn't think that was her color, and it looked kind of cheap. Well, I liked it. I didn't think it looked cheap, and I thought she looked great in it. Well, good for Molly. The other super positive note that I had was about Jamie's shirt. I really liked the print on that, the black with the kind of red and gold birds and flowers. It actually reminded me of that hand-painted pattern on those antique coffee and end tables that your grandma had. Wow, that's actually pretty um, observational, observationist. Observationist sounds like an insult. That sounds like some (laughs) obscure Marxist political sect, right? That's very observatory of you. You know, I used to be smart, guys. I used to be smart. This is what happens. I also do want to call out Logan for you. I'm calling out Mike's turtleneck, and I actually think Mike has pulled it off better than anyone else we've seen so far because he goes all black. He just has the architect look going on. I think it works, even though I am not a fan of turtlenecks and would rather see his neck than that extra bit of fabric. Mike also masters the soulful look in the eyes more than any other guy. I just want to say also that Jamie's shirt sucked. I did like the design, but I hated the color palette. Which is so funny because you love the tables. I do love the tables, but you're not wearing the tables. And if you tried to wear the tables, I would probably have something to say. Also, why are you wearing tables? Anyway, 
I did not like Shawnee's Inspector Gadget coat as a dress, though I did like the red lip. I'm surprised you didn't say anything about Shawnee's. Yeah, I, I debated it, but I figured you'd get to it. And Callum's beige jacket over the light gray shirt was boring, 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 just like Callum himself most of the time. No, you got really, I think, Ched and Mike and Luke T have done a good job with fashion. I thought OG Connor was a good dresser. I liked his stuff. I know you didn't. I liked Connor's fashion sense. And hey, maybe we'll throw up a picture of me in my new co-ward on the social media. Maybe we will. Yes, I bought a Love Island style co-ward for our upcoming beach vacation. I'm very excited. But if the people bully you, I'm not taking responsibility for that. I am not afraid of your family bullying me. I meant the people on social media. I'm not really afraid of that either. Good. You're a much stronger person than the rest of us, apparently. Well, I'll tell you, pretty much everybody who follows us on social media is a listener of this podcast in some form. So if anybody needs mental health tips, you just come right to Ben because Ben is the captain of mental health around here. No, I mean, look, I'm not going to be showing my face. Oh, well, I guess that removes some of the prompts for bullying. I mean, Sorry, I'm... that sounded really mean. Yeah, thanks, hon. Thank you. <laughs> well, people will pick on anything. Yeah, it's true. They will. And you know what? It'll be anonymous. I'm going to remove the location data from the photo. So, you know, whatever. I mean, we're not really anonymous on here, but... I could also maybe use Photoshop to make you super swole. Are you good at Photoshop? We don't even have Photoshop. I was just making a joke. Oh, okay. Well, I think it is about time to do that thing that we do. Are you ready to rank the couples? No. Too bad. Okay, now I am. Okay. I like the Will Arnett voice, by the way. Oh, yeah. Thanks. That was unintentional. But I guess it kind of sounds like Will Arnett. Let's go bottom to top. Let's. In the basement at number eight, who else? It's Natalia. Good riddance. Farewell. Bye-bye. Don't let that big-ass heavy door hit your butt on the way out. Dasvidanya. I don't know if she's Russian, but... What's that mean? Goodbye. Oh, okay. Natalia always strikes me as a Russian name, so dasvidanya. At number seven, it's Callum and Molly. Molly, not a great showing with the babies. They're on the hook. Not a great episode for either of them. Actually, I think Callum maybe deserved a little better, but it is what it is, as the Islanders like to say. Well, that fashion negative just threw him down there in the basement with her anyway. Okay. At number six, it's... (sighs) Oh, yeah. Where was Jess and Shed. That's right. Again, not a great showing from Jess. Ched probably deserves better. He got the nod because he had a better shirt than Callum. And they got saved. At number five, it's Luke M and Demi. Decent parenting, except for the throwing babies on the ground. Got saved by the public. At number four, wow, slipping a lot this week. It's Shawnice and Luke T at number four. Well, Luke T threw a baby on the ground. Yeah, I guess that should knock him down a few spots. At number three, it's Page and Fan. They went a whole episode without arguing. Yeah. Now, did that help them in the rankings or hurt them? I think help them. Okay. They seem very focused on the future. They're very lovey-eyed for each other. 
It was a great episode for them, but not the best episode for them. At number two, it's Mike and Priscilla. You know, if they weren't on the chopping block at the end, they would have come in number one. But unfortunately, you know, you have to take those things into account. They don't deserve to be there. Mike and Priscilla should 100% be contenders for winning this. I agree 100%. And finally, at number one... Just because the guy deserves a break. And he had a fantastic episode in terms of the lines and the jokes he delivered. We bid you farewell, adieu, adieu, Jamie. He didn't go out with a bang, but I wish he could have. I think he wishes he could have as well. And on that sophomoric note, we will remind you to please send us emails. Littlebitleaveitpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. I am at LBLI Podcast. At LBLI Peng, like Peng sort. You can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook, but honestly, I don't know what that does for you or for us. I posted something. I posted a meme. Oh, that's cool. About season seven. Okay. Seriously, y'all, go watch season seven however you can. We've already put up season seven week one recap. Week two's coming out, and I can't say it's as good as this season, but maybe it'll get better? I don't know. I think it has its moments. We'll see. We don't really know until the end, right? Right. Season six is a lot more wholesome, though. There's a lot more heartwarming this season than there is in season seven thus far. Yeah, though I will say that some of the best episodes of season six have been in this post-Casa period. So, well, we should be patient. And Laura has promised that the Season 7 Islanders are going to Casa this year, so... Oh man, if there is no Casa, this Season 7 would be... Whew, I would be worried about it. From Staten Island... To Love Island... The baby has no feelings. <laughs>